Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Welcome back to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am so excited that you are joining me today for an interview with Michael Leckie. And Michael is a recognized digital transformation leader who drives change and culture evolution to enable true business transformation in a digital world. Michael has worked in corporate and consulting as formerly the Chief Learning Officer of Bloomberg Media and CLO of Digital Industry for GE. And currently, Michael is a digital transformation and HR consultant, program leader, and uh, does some work with Box of Crayons as well, which I think we'll get into today. Michael, welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Glad to be here, man. Yeah, great to have you on. This was interesting because we connected, I think, through LinkedIn, but we had plenty of connections in common. And we've been working on scheduling this interview for many weeks and many attempts. But we are here together now and already having a great chat. And it's good to have you on. And one of the reasons I was excited to get you on here is not only do you have such a great portfolio of experience, but this topic of digital transformation is something that I hear you know, doing client work everywhere I go. Every company is going through some form of transformation, especially digital transformation, right? And a lot of people think of it differently, different definitions out there. And I've had conversations where I'm talking with other consultants and friends about it and, and they'll stop and say, I don't even think I really know what that means. So I'm, I'm excited to get you on to talk about it. But before we really dive into that, it would be great to start with a little bit of your background and share how you got to where you are today. Uh, sure. I kind of have no idea. No, that's not true. But um, one of my, uh, my sons recently asked me, he said, hey, dad, how did you kind of plan out and figure out your career? <laughs> Which I had to stifle a, a laugh. And I, I said, you know, it, it really in the end actually was guided by just a couple of things because I've had a really kind of eclectic background. I mean, I grew up... a uh, the son of a couple of school teachers in Billings, Montana. Um, the consulting, large industry, the things I'm involved with now were just not a part of my world. But I've always kind of been driven by a couple of things. One is, it's like, where can I make the world a better place to work and live? You know, one company at a time. And where's the most growth? And so just using those as the questions that have guided me. I've worked in large consulting firms as a part of uh, Arthur Anderson uh, before it's untimely Enron-fueled uh, demise. 
I was uh, part of a smaller consulting firms like Stuart Levine and Associates. I played HR and OD generalist and talent specialist and learning roles in many organizations and run my own PL as well. When I was with uh, Gartner, spent about 12 years at Gartner in a number of guises, which was a great time. And then spent a couple of years at GE specifically applying all the digital transformation and, and digital leadership stuff we've been talking about to our Gartner clients. And did that, stop doing that a couple of, like about a year and a half ago. And I've been doing most of my own consulting. Just came off uh, three months working with uh, Bloomberg that was uh, short-term. There's a lot of organizational changes while I was there. And so that ended up being something that didn't you know, move forward with in the long term. And I'm doing consulting work now. Cool. And you've worked some interesting places and you've worked with, I imagine, a lot of great people, including a couple really popular podcast guests, I think, that have been on this show. I think you maybe worked with Mike Pino at yeah. GE Digital and great guest I had early on in the show. And uh, you've also worked with Michael Bungay-Stanier, who was on very recently and is very popular out there. As I've noticed, every time I post about that episode, lots of people commenting and sharing out on social media, on LinkedIn. The guy has a big following and you've been working with him for quite a while. How did that come about? Oh, man. Well, yeah, I guess maybe I'm the lesser of the mics here. I don't know. You've had some good mics on. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. Uh, Michael Bungay-Stanier and I, we connected, but I recently watched the interview, I guess, podcast. We connected in a small conference featuring Ed Shine in Boston probably 20 years ago. I moved out from California to the East Coast. I live in Connecticut. And I was sitting in there, and it was a small little workshop in a hotel that I was excited about because Ed had been a faculty for me at uh, Pepperdine at the MSOD. And this guy comes walking in, and he's this tall, kind of striking guy. You notice him. He had this massive curly hair, which I see now is, is graying, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. Michael, but it was very red at the time. Yeah. And he just comes walking. He was, I think he was wearing one of those really bad kooky Australian sweaters too. And I just looked at him. He's larger in life. And I thought, I've got to meet this guy. So I walked over, started talking to him and we became friends and started figuring out how are we going to work together? And we tried a different couple of ways to work together. He tried to recruit me into the company he was at. And anyway, long story short, at Gartner, I brought him in. We started doing some work around coaching skills for a very specific business goal. And we just, we built something really amazing there that had a real impact on the organization and the the companies our people served and got to be really good friends, built a number of kind of programs together and leveraged the things that Box of Crayons does and got to travel around the world working together, having a a great time and doing some uh, great work as as Michael might call it. Yeah, well, I know you've worked with him and you, you run some workshops for Box of Crayons. So maybe we'll start here on this topic of coaching. Because, you know, I'm out there working with clients, helping them with talent development programs. And I'm getting this request quite often where companies will say, our, our people, our managers don't really know how to coach their people. They don't know how to do coaching. We think we need them to do more of that, but they don't really quite know how to go about it. But this is something that I think more and more people are waking up to. Can you talk about this idea of coaching, the importance of coaching and why everyone needs to be doing it, not just you know, a few lucky executives who get an executive coach? Yeah, great question. Uh, and, you know, I think the way Michael puts it is, you know, being more coach-like. And I love that phrase for it, although as he and I have discussed, I think that, you know, even being coach-like isn't quite broad enough for the impact it has. So here's my take on it. The work that I love to do is around what are the human capabilities that we need in, in a digital world? I think I mentioned earlier when we were talking, a friend recently said that one of our problems is we're living in a world of fifth generation information technology and and second generation human systems. And I think that's true. The technology keeps advancing and changing. And yet, 
how we work and work together and organize and create work and organize to work. It just, it's not really significantly changing, especially in many corporations that have been around for quite a while that aren't like, you know, startups or digital natives. And what's missing is the ability for people to have real conversations where they build real relationship, where they deal with the awkward questions of, well, you said you're going to do this, but you did that. What happened here? Where they're able to build relationship and see people as a person and not as a role. All those types of skills are fueled or developed by being able to be more coach-like in how you interact with people, you know, staying curious longer, asking more questions, doing less telling, the kind of stuff that Michael talks and writes about. And I've been kind of the, the practitioner side to, you know, his preacher side. I mean, he's been saying it for years. I've been following the advice. I've been doing it and I've been helping other people do it and seeing the huge impact it has and how groups are able to be led and to work together in an age where the problems they're solving and the complexity of those problems is, is changing so much faster than it ever has before. Yeah, so important. And with things changing faster and faster, we need people to be able to catch up. They've got to be able to have those real conversations with other people and, and get the coaching, be willing to ask for help, to ask questions, to be curious. And so I'll, I'll use that to transition to this topic of digital transformations, because you said, and you quoted a friend, we're living in a, in a world of fifth generation technology and second generation human systems. And I can certainly see that, right? We see technology changing all the time. We see new apps coming out every day that help us, you know, supposedly do our job better, do marketing better, do work better, project management, whatever it is. AI is doing more and more things. But we can't lose sight of the fact that even though the transformation is, quote, digital and it's all about technology, that people run everything in business still. Everything comes down to how well we manage our people and the people side of things, at least from my perspective. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world, and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. So how did you get into you know, this digital transformation space where you became you know, sort of an expert there? And, and what's your perspective on what companies are doing today? Yeah, I, I guess I probably got into it by, I, I do most things by jumping in over my head. <laughs> I, uh, when I was the best at, way. I hope you told your son that too. <laughs> that's right. I need, I, I need to see if I did. I have to go back and tell him that. I'll make him watch the podcast. You know, at Gartner, I, um, one of my clients, a client organizations was a group called Executive Programs. And Executive Programs was Gartner's CXO advisory. It had been mostly CIO and then CDO, CTO, and other C-level roles that they were really working with as digital transformation and digital became so much more the topic. And I was the head of HR for that business and another couple of businesses at Gartner when the executive programs business leader came and said, look, 
why don't you put your money where your mouth is, come in and you know, run a region for us and deliver the business and run a team, which I turned him down because I said, I've never been a CIO. How can I be working with teams that are advising CIOs and chief digital officers? And he said to me, he goes, well, you've shown us that it doesn't really about the technical knowledge. It's about the human and the organizational side of things. And so he goes, let's see what you can do. So I said, all right, I came in and I started working in that business. And I found myself in the really interesting position of meeting with C-level technology executives who had done things and knew things that I just didn't know. But what I did know was, and what I'd learned is how to ask good questions, how to really stay curious and how to focus on not the technology side, but the human side. And I found that that's what they were really starved for. They had plenty of technology answers. And so as I spent more and more time, I began to really realize that they're always saying, look, I'm not, we're not, we're struggling not because we can't find or install the right technology. We're struggling because people don't use it or people ignore it or people work around it or people don't believe in it or whatever it may be. It was all about the people, people, culture, culture, people. And that's what really got me interested is seeing something very tangible from a business perspective, which were these goals to transform how they went to market or the ways they worked, whatever it may be, were just hitting a wall. Even though they were the right things, people were fighting it, resisting it, you know, avoiding it, playing dead as it was implemented. And I thought that's really interesting. So I spent more time, more time talking with them and kind of just fell into a space that wasn't being dealt with by the big consulting firms because it was too hard, too interpersonal, and not predictable. So that's where it got me. Yeah. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world, and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. That makes sense. Now, let's take a step back on this idea of digital transformation. Like I said, I'm hearing about it all the time, and I'm sure it's different for different companies and different people. But what does it mean to you? When someone says digital transformation, how would you define that? Yes, it's a great question. I actually wrote a piece of research that was published by the Leading Edge Forum and then republished in CEO Today magazine around what I call the five questions of digital transformation. The first one is simply this, what is digital transformation? And what I, the position I take is, it's not how do you define digital, it's how do you define digital? And so... For some organizations, it's how they're going to markets around digital marketing. For some of them, it's, it is the ways that they are really kind of creating a digital thread through their business to understand all the different components of their business, the different silos, technology they're using for that. You know, whatever it is, they have to figure what is most important right now because digital kind of exists on a, on a spectrum, right? On one end of the spectrum is digitizing or digitalizing uh, product services and processes that already exist. So... I mean, you could say that, you know, today's streaming of music, 
right? And before that, it was an MP3. Before that, it was a CD. Before that, it was a, you know, it's all the same thing. It's all recorded music. You're just delivering it in a, a better way via technology. And you get into the sort of the middle of that spectrum and you're looking at new streams of revenue, new businesses that you can create by connecting things via technology that hadn't been connected before. So your Airbnbs or Uber and Lyft, they're, you know, Uber or Lyft, there were app-based ways to call a taxi before them. But they said, we're not about a taxi service. We're in the business of a marketplace that connects drivers who need money and people with money who need a ride. Right. So they changed the business model. And then at the other end of that spectrum is the kind of thing we started talking about, the cultures, the ways of leading, the open-mindedness, the curiosity, the flexibility, the agileness that allows these things to happen. All of those are digital. So where do you start? So I take an organization like uh, one I like to refer to is Fidelity. You know, Fidelity, uh, traditional financial services, you know, investing firm, had their businesses, their lines of business. They had heads of those lines of business and they sold those businesses. So if you're a Fidelity customer, you might get stuff for 401k through your employer and you might go somewhere else to get something private, whatever it was. But they had their products out there in the virtual shelf and you'd have to figure out what you needed. Well, they started to realize that that's not the way things were being sold anymore. Things were being sold based upon the buyer themselves. They went back and basically rejiggered their business lines around three personas. The person who is you know, now just getting into investing, they're out of college, maybe not spending all their extra money on beer, and they're going to start saving a little bit and you know, move towards the future. Those who now have the young family and are thinking about and we move out of the city, move into the suburbs, get the house, what do we have to do about college? And then those people who have amassed some wealth, they're thinking about the future and their legacy. So they reorganize their business around those personas. And they put in ahead of those personas and everything else has to work together to deliver services and products to those individuals. So for them, that's how they define digital or one big way they define digital. There's certainly more beyond that, but you kind of pick one at a time, I think, and focus on it. Otherwise, you know, it becomes a word that's just too big. My friend yeah. Dave Aaron, who's at Gartner, said, we started using the word digital when the phrase information technology became just too small. It's not a great word, he said, but it's all we've got for now. So let's just run with it and figure out what we mean. Mm, yeah, interesting. And, and I love those examples. I, I run a workshop on digital disruption and innovation. And one of the examples we give is how the music industry has been completely disrupted by, you know, the digital transformation. And like you said, at the end of the day, we're getting the same thing, right? An artist records music and I listen to it in my house. But the difference is in the old days, that artist had to go through a record label. There were all kinds of people and companies in the middle, even down to manufacturing, producing cassettes, CDs, records, whatever it is. And now today, 2019, an artist can record some music, upload it to Spotify, I can subscribe and listen to it. And that's it. All of those other, you know, all those levels have been eliminated. It's completely changed the industry. And that's happening in a lot of places, including banking as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned that there is, you have five questions on digital transformation. The first one is, what is a digital transformation to you? Uh, what are the other questions? Let's see. What's digital transformation? There is, you know, kind of the, is your organization ready for it? So I'll talk about culture. I'll talk about, you know, the human resources organization, which is probably built for stability and fairness. And talk about, are you aware of the things that are standing in your way that you've built? And then we'll talk about 
how are you measuring success? Because most organizations, Gartner did a great piece of research where they interviewed a, a ton of CEOs and said, are you going through some sort of digital transformation or planning to? Yeah, probably 90 plus percent said yes. And then they said, great, are you changing any of your business metrics accordingly? And it was like, well, no, not really. We have the same old metrics quarter to quarter. We want to make money. Well, but the companies that are doing really well in the digital space, like if you're Jeff Bezos, you know, you went public, you said, hey, investors, I guarantee you I'll lose a tremendous amount of money for at least five years, maybe longer. Well, industrial companies, existing companies can't play by those rules. So, you know, can you look at the um, at what you're doing? Can you change the rules and can you cope with that? The third one is, so, you know, is your company ready for it? The, the third one is, what do you do about the people who can't or won't go digital? You know, are you, do you know who they are? Do you have a talent strategy in place? Are you looking at what you can develop? Are you looking at what jobs technology is going to enhance, transform, eliminate, create? So are you, are you really looking at that? Are you, are you dealing with the, the hard decisions that come with the fact that your talent needs are going to be very different tomorrow than they are today? The fourth one is, are, are your leaders doing what digital leaders have to do? You know, are they really ready as, as individuals to take on assignments and goals that they don't know how to achieve or that they play it safe? Are they working as, you know, Pat Lencioni talks about a first team. Do they see each other as their first team or will they sacrifice in their division or department or function for each other? Or are they, you know, silos, et cetera? And do they really believe in what you're doing? I mean, think about what Satya Nadella has done at, at Microsoft, he said, this is the North Star and it's all about mobile and cloud. And the only thing that they had mobile and cloud at Microsoft when he started saying that was Bing. I mean, when's the last time you binged something? But nonetheless, he knew that's where it was going and it had to take precedent over the monolithic things around, you know, uh, Microsoft Office and, and, and Windows. And he said, if you're not on board, then, you know, get off the bus because that's where we're going. And I think the, I mean, the fifth one that, that is really the hardest one for leaders. And when I wrote this, I wrote it directly to the CEO. But I think, you know, all senior leaders it applies to is, are you yourself personally ready, willing, and able to, to change, to transform? Are you willing to look at what you're doing that needs to change? And are you looking to change publicly and vulnerably on a stage so that people can see it's okay to change? and create that psychological safety. Because most of us leaders are saying, everyone needs to change and transform. Let me sit back and watch y'all do it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's, that's not working at all. Yeah, I've seen that as well. And I think a lot of leaders and companies want to say like, hey, we're going digital, we're changing. You guys go figure it out, right? And I'll stay here and keep doing what I'm doing. You mentioned the metrics. I'm still going to keep measuring cash flow and whatever the metrics were that were important to us. And I'm going to keep acting the way I act. And yet we all know, and those that listen to this podcast who work in talent development, we know well that change has to happen at the top, right? It starts at the top. If you're changing a culture, if you're transforming an organization, if you don't start with people on the top of the organization, setting the standard and walking the walk, then it's not going to happen, right? And you're probably going to see organizations that have failed because either they weren't ready or you mentioned, are your leaders ready? And if they're not, are you willing to take some action, either get rid of them or move them into other positions, right? Yeah. I mean, and not to bring up the same company again, but I think, you know, Fidelity, again, is a really good example. If you think about um, Abigail Johnson, who runs the company, I mean, you know, came through the family. She's a, a multi-billionaire. Uh, there's probably not a, a lot of outside reasons that says you have to go change who you are and what you're doing. She's mm -hmm. you know, very successful. But when she saw that 
the likelihood of blockchain having an impact on financial services, she set out to become a bit of a, an authority you know, in her space on blockchain. She's not a technologist. But I, but I think the reason she did that is not so she could say, look at me, I'm learning blockchain stuff, but she, so she could say, it's okay to be ignorant about something. I don't know anything about this, but I'm going to learn and it's okay to be a learner and to learn about it and to you know, acknowledge that ignorance and then do something about it. And I think that makes it safe for her people to say, you know, here's something I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. You know, we're, we are in a world as a, as a great, I know you mentioned books earlier in the questions kind of setting up the podcast. And there's a great book by Ed Hess, Humility is the New Smart, where he talks about the value of learning over knowing and that what you know, I don't know where he gets the statistic, I've got to find out. <laughs> but he says that what you know today has a shelf life of about three years. What you know through mm. has a shelf life of three years. So it's all about how fast can you learn and relearn things but to do that, you have to embrace the humility of, of not knowing everything and it really embrace your ignorance, as, as uh, Ed Schein would say. And that's a hard thing to do in a world where we've been rewarded and given big positions and power and all sorts of stuff for how much we know. That's a hard shift to make, especially for our yeah. leaders. You're just giving me fuel for my own fire because I've been, I've been hot on this topic that I think in 2019 for leaders, you know, vulnerability, authenticity, curiosity the most important things. And it, we used to say that knowledge is power, but knowledge is not power anymore. People can get knowledge anywhere. And if yeah. you're not sharing that knowledge, they're going to figure it out, right? They're going to go around you. But it's being willing to be open and authentic and say, hey, you know, like Abigail at Fidelity, like, I don't know this, but I'm going to figure it out. We're all going to figure it out together. And if you don't want to come with me, then don't come with me. And I, I think it's a great example. Fidelity has done a fantastic job. I've watched from afar their digital transformation. I'm a client. I use Fidelity for pretty much everything banking-wise. I hope nobody takes this and tries to go hack into my account. But <laughs> presumably, they've got some pretty good controls in place. They actually have some really cool technology as well. They use voice identification when I call them. They now identify me by my voice and not like numbers or anything else. Yeah. So it's interesting how they have gone through that and advanced. Because you know, going back to music, every industry is susceptible to disruption these days. And things are changing really fast. And if we're not you know, open-minded, people are not having those open, honest conversations and being willing to learn and be curious, uh, you're going to get disrupted no matter what industry you're in. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it comes for everyone. And I think that the companies that are the most secure are the ones in the biggest danger because they have the hardest time shifting. They have the hardest time. You know, I'd probably give you way too many books on that question, but there's a, there's a great book called The Day After Tomorrow by Peter Hinson. And he talks about how when your business is going up the curve of time and, and, you know, and growth like this, that because picture a, a little man standing at the top of that line. He looks back down where he's been and he says, look at that. And he turns around, and extrapolates his future out. And so he can't see the cliff. And that's what happens to really successful companies. It's like, it's always been good. It'll always be good. But if what you're doing is really good, you've got a commanding market share. You don't have a lot of competition. You know, you're in a place where you make a lot of money that's the most right to be disruptive because somebody else wants to get in on that and somebody out there is working to do it. And for me personally, you know, one of the reasons I, I do the work I do is I've worked with some amazing companies that have, you know, legacy workforces, been around a long time, GE been over around over a hundred years. And I look at these organizations and think these are great organizations with great, smart, hardworking, good people. Why should they get disrupted and have some startup eat their lunch just because they can't change themselves. 
However, you know, the, the innovator's dilemma is, is well documented. And I, I just have this belief that we need to crack the code on how we overcome that. Otherwise, there's a lot of organizations and towns and families and things that have been built, which will completely dissipate because we couldn't get around ourselves. We couldn't get around the roadblock that was us. And that, that, that kind of possibility sort of breaks my heart when I see it happening. But I think it's happening all the time. And I want to be able to turn that around. Yeah, but it's happening because people get comfortable, right? And they resist change sometimes because it could be a threat to what they already know. And they're afraid that if they try something new, they might fail and lose their job, whatever it is, even though they they really need to do that. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting organizations with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. And we're also proud to be providing tons of great content and inspiration to you and everyone out there during troubled times. You can go to advantageperformance.com to find any of our weekly webinars, insights, white papers, and blogs we've been putting out to help you survive and thrive during challenging times. That website, again, is advantageperformance.com. And now back to the show. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. We're also providing tons of great content on a weekly basis. In fact, we recently launched a great webinar series that has been going on weekly with content such as creating a culture of multipliers, gender equity, Liz Weissman's webinar on helping rid the world of bad bosses. We have a new webinar from Brent Snow on decision-making. We have a webinar on multipliers and how to use multipliers during troubled times, calming the storm. We have a webinar from our partner, Julie Winkle Giulioni on developing in place, how to continue your growth during remote working, and a webinar from Paul Middleton on the secret sauce for learning in the flow of work plus many more, just head to our website at advantageperformance.com. Click on free resources and you'll find the link to webinars and all of our other insights and resources there. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. Before we started recording, you said that the thing you're really passionate about is the human capabilities that support a digital world. And I imagine we're already touching on that a bit, but tell me more about that and what human capabilities do we need to support a digital world in the future? Yeah, a great question. I mean, so first of all, the way I kind of look at it is that there's a set of things that served us well. Like, let's take a look at executing, you know, here, execution all the time. It's execute, execute, get stuff done. Execution was great in a world where you had really smart people who would strategize and then they would roll that strategy out and they had great people who would execute the hell out of that strategy and get it done. And that model worked perfectly until it didn't. And when it stopped working was when the lag time between strategy and execution wasn't years or months, it was weeks or days. And that's what's happened. The the complexity of the problems they're solving and the the pace at which they're changing is moving too fast. 
So I think of the, you know, when you talk to Michael Lebox and Kranz, you know, talked about curiosity. The phrase I use for it is I'll say exploration over execution. Now, it's not that you don't execute, but do you have the mechanism in place, kind of the umbrella sitting over execution that is every morning saying, okay, before we get rolling with getting stuff done today, what's changed? How do I know it's changed? What signals do I have to let me know if it's changed? And do I need to alter what we're executing on a little bit or a lot today or not? And if you're not asking that question, inevitably, that's going to happen and happen sooner than later. And you're going to be working really hard executing, getting the wrong things done. And so it's not that you abandon execution. You just have that exploration over it. It's not that you abandon knowing. You have to have the learning kind of sitting over it. And it's these types of capabilities. In fact, I'm in the, in the, the middle of uh, writing a book on this. Uh, and probably you know, I should take all of Michael's advice, even though I've read it about writing books and how challenging that is and what you do with it. But that's what I'm, uh, I'm really working on is saying, look, here are, I think, kind of those handful of capabilities that we really need to strengthen. And they're very human capabilities. They don't take a lot of technical learning. They're uh, adaptive, not te- technical change. And let's learn these so we can survive and thrive in a digital world. And it's really fascinating to me. And I don't know if it's irony or what it is, but the more technologically advanced we become, the more of a premium is placed on the human side of our humanness. Uh, the transactional things we're doing for work are being replaced by chatbots and AI and machine learning. But it is the relationship, the influence these things that are when we're at our most human, which are the things the machines can't replace. And they're the things that allow us to connect or cause us to disconnect with much greater reverberations and consequences than there ever was in the past. I could not agree more. I think in 2019, as the world becomes more and more digital and we become more, quote, connected Mm -hmm. and you know, I appreciate chatbots for what they are to get people information quickly, right? If I'm on a website and I want to just get some quick help or some info, I don't need to wait on hold and talk to a human. But I think as we move more and more into this world, true human connection becomes more and more important and stands out. And that's why I you know, love setting up interviews like this and talking face-to-face on Zoom. That's why I invest in going to conferences all the time to meet people in person. That's why I'm hosting my own conference later this year, the Talent Development Think Tank. Uh, because I want to give people an opportunity to connect and meet in person and learn from each other. Because I know those that's where you form lifelong bonds. And you know, you, like you met Michael Bungay-Stanier at a conference, right? And you guys have been friends for over 20 years and helped each other out in your careers. That's how people meet and end up you know, getting jobs and doing business together is they meet in person and, and they make those connections. And I think that is still... I'm optimistic. You know, I'm biased. But I think that's how you know, business is still going to get done, even in an increasingly more digital world. I think you're right. And the thing about your conference, I mean, people will go there and at one point they'll go there and say, well, what are the things I can take away and then, you know, deploy Mm -hmm. elsewhere, which is great. But I think that what you just said, there's something that oftentimes they overlooked, which is who can I meet? How can I contribute to them? How can they contribute to me? But also how can I just build a relationship, right? Not knowing where it's going to go, because that that's another one of those kind of uh, pairs of things I, I refer to it as relating over organizing. And that's based upon, you know, Ed Shine's work about, look, you need to have something, a relationship that is person-based, not role-based. But most of our organizations, our relationships are role-based. You play this role, you play that role. It doesn't really matter who you are. I can, you're fungible if you're the CFO or if you're an accounting clerk, whatever. Yeah. As long as I get someone else with that skill set, right. then it's all fungible and the organization matters. But yeah. 
in today's world, it's the relationship you have because the organizing itself has to change constantly as the teams form and reform to achieve a goal. And so going to a conference like yours, what people are going to get is they're going to get a level of peer there who are interested in connecting and in learning. Yeah. And some of those relationships, they will start and nothing meaningful will really happen in their lives because of it for five or 10 or 15 years. And then it'll right. be the relationship that changes everything because they kept that going. They're willing to have relationships as opposed yep. to just functional relationships. Oh my gosh, you're giving me goosebumps right now because I mean, you're it's so true, right? You're gonna go and I hope people learn things from some of our great speakers and session leaders, including Michael Bungay Stanier. But it's, I think the most powerful thing over the long term is going to be, you're gonna sit in a session and sit next to somebody and you're gonna meet them and they're gonna become a lifelong friend someone that you do business with that hires you, you hire them, whatever, it could make a huge difference in your life. And it just would not have happened. That's happened for me many times going to conferences and through this podcast, reaching out to people, both guests like you and even listeners reaching out to me, you know, forming friendships. It's just been, it's amazing. And I love that human connection. All right, I want to hit you with some quick questions. What has been your greatest accomplishment in your career so far? You know, it's funny, actually, it's, if I think back to, uh, for those who haven't watched the podcast with Michael Bungay's tenure, go back and check it out. But early on, I learned with Michael how to identify kind of my great work. And my great work has really had a theme of creating space for others to step into. And so I've had the great opportunity of meeting people and finding out what it is that they really can do and really want to do, where their talent lies especially the talent that's, that's not completely fulfilled and then helping create a safe space so they can step in and explore more of that and try that. And I've seen some people that I've, you know, worked with or worked for me, you know, really go on to do some tremendous things and I didn't cause them to do it, but I know I was part of creating that space that helped them move forward. And for me, having that moment of years later of saying, your willingness just there to create the space changed my life. That's amazing. And, you know, I've never really talked about that much because it's personal. You know, my moments of great work are fairly personal and fairly quiet. And I've gotten to do some really cool things and get up on stage in front of thousands of people and consult some amazing organizations and blah, blah, blah. But it's those moments where I've been able to do something I love that allowed somebody to be more of who they are than they were before. That's, that's the best for me. I love that. And there's some of those small moments for me as well. And it, and it comes back to, a human connection, B, being curious, which we've talked about, and then holding space and being lazy, as Michael would call it, right? And just and just letting them talk instead of trying to give them advice. Okay, what's been, on uh, flip side, what's been your biggest failure or mistake in your career? What did you learn from it? You know, I, I find that for me, and I think for a lot of people, it's our strengths that are our weaknesses. And so for me, there's a fine line between courage and martyrdom. And I was talking to my son the other day about something he was upset with in a, in a new job. And I said, look, there's nothing worse than being absolutely right and having nobody care and having it backfire on you. I said, so you know what? Find your way through. Don't worry about being right. Worry about what's most useful here. And uh, there's so many times when I've worried about being right over what was most useful. It's a, something I have to do constantly. And I think that, you know, one of the things that shows up, and I, I might be a little, little discreet about the uh, the actual names and the places here, but for me, it can be easy to take the wrong work on. Uh, a mentor of mine once said, just because you're perfect 
you're perfect for them doesn't mean they're perfect for you. Mm-hmm. And I've gone and done engagements or gone places where they've said, you are exactly what we need. And I ignored some of the signs that they weren't what I needed. And it really went the wrong direction. And I find myself unhappy, disengaged. And when I'm unhappy and disengaged, my work isn't good. My work isn't what it could be. And so it's an all around bad thing. So I think that really doing something for the wrong reasons because it makes me feel good or makes me feel wanted or loved, that can really throw me off. Oh, yeah. And it's flattering when someone comes to you and says, we've got this big problem and we think you are perfect to come help us figure it out. And you're like, yeah, let's go do it. And you miss all the signs that this is going to be a disaster because they're not the right fit for you. I, I think I've done that before as well. Michael, are there any other trends you're following with regards to talent or people development that we haven't talked about so far? I think just the whole kind of, you know, we, we talked about sort of the socio-technical design aspect of things. That's not new but being rediscovered, it's about the people and not the technical side of things. What I'm really seeing is, and maybe I'm seeing this through the lens because it's also work I'm doing, but I, I hear a tremendous amount. I'm asked a lot about, hey, change the culture. And, and culture, I mean, if you think about it, culture, you can define it a lot of different ways and they're probably all good definitions. But I think about, I have beliefs and I act because of those beliefs. You have beliefs and you act accordingly. If our beliefs are shared enough and our actions are similar enough, we have a culture. And I think that we've been going around culture change the wrong way for a tremendous amount of time saying, here's the new belief set. Let's go ahead and say, this is what we believe and tell everyone, we believe this now. And, you know, let's start measuring what we believe it. You know, I mean, what about that poor kid that just got, you know, killed in the islands because he went over and saying, hey, here's the new beliefs. I want to bring you my religion. And they shot him. Uh, You know, no one listens to your new beliefs. They've got their beliefs. But if you can actually articulate some behaviors, really simple things that they can do and say, hey, try this and see what happens. And to see what happens is important, where then you step back and say, what happened? How did it impact you? What did that make you think? What was the result? And people start to try on some behaviors that start to actually disconfirm some of the beliefs or assumptions they have, then beliefs actually start to shift. And I'm starting to see that happening. In fact, it's one of the biggest reasons I leverage the work with Box of Crayons in my consulting is because the behaviors of asking some really good questions at the right time is something that anybody can do. And it's completely recoverable from if it doesn't work, but they can start to see how well that worked in that situation. It starts to shift the things that they believed would work and wouldn't work. And so I'm really excited about people getting into just Let's change some behaviors in the workplace and then really be thoughtful about what did we learn about that. I'm seeing a lot more emergent learning happening really in the context of work doing that way. And that's what excites me and what I love to do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm seeing more of that as well. Very cool. All right, I've already got a couple of book recommendations from you. So we'll skip to our last question, which is for those out there listening who work in talent development, learning and development and maybe their organization is starting or going through some type of digital transformation, what's one more piece of advice you would give them? Don't do it alone. You know, I think that one of the lessons I continue to learn over and over again is that you have to ask for help and you have to have a way to see yourself and what you're doing through the, the eyes of others. And I, I actually have a piece of research that's going to be coming out fairly soon and uh, in that I'm proposing that 
I guess I can't copyright this. Maybe I shouldn't say it, but I'll go ahead and do it. I have a phrase I'm using only slightly tongue in cheek called the expirational leader. We're talking about somebody who comes into an organization to help change and transformation, help drive that and also help put those skills in the organization who's going to leave. Because when you try and do digital transformation solely under the aegis of some consultant who's helping you, their goal is not to get in and leave. Their goal is to get in and, and land and expand and stay. But even with that, they're never there for the whole implementation. But if you try and do digital transformation solely from the inside, you find that the expectations of the organization and the culture and the structure make it almost impossible for you to play the kind of disruptive role you need to, to make that happen. So I'm proposing there might be a, an in-between role. Someone comes in for a period of two or three years, transitions information and knowledge and ability, helps people learn, and then gets out. And there's no way they're going to stay so it doesn't threaten the status quo. Hmm. But I, I think that's it. It's an ecosystem world. And you can't do it within your bounds. And you can't outsource it. You have to engage in it directly. It's management's job to drive transformation. It's not the OD department or the HR department or the transformation department. That's your job, change and transformation. Learn that and get help so you can do it. That's the advice I give them. I like that. So don't do it alone. Be willing to ask for help You know, within your organization, bringing in consultants from outside your organization who know what they're doing and maybe even see if they're willing to do it in a defined time period. So it's not like they're just trying to land and expand and keep doing work and work and work forever. Like, hey, we've got a deadline. We want to make this thing happen by this date. Uh, are you willing to take on term limits? Yeah. All right. Michael, for anybody listening who maybe wants to reach out to you for help or just get in contact or talk more about digital transformations, what's the best place for them to, to go and do that? Sure. Uh, so my uh, website is just uh, uh, michaellecki.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-L-E-C-K-I-E.com. You can get me there. And I'm on LinkedIn a lot. And so you can connect with me there. And you can just email me at me at michaellecki.com. And I'm glad to respond to you. And I, and I would say this to people who are listening. Maybe there'll be you know five or 5,000. I don't know. You never can tell what happens when you put your voice out there. Because given it's your podcast, it'll probably go wide. But <laughs> I am... Uh, I'm always down to connect with people. And if you think that there may be something interesting to talk about or questions to ask, I encourage you and people are listening to this just to reach out and, and do it. I don't have any expectations around work or anything else because the secret is, as you know, Andy, of connecting is anytime you try and help someone, you learn something yourself and get a little bit better. So it's good for me too. So I'm, I'm happy to uh, connect. And, and if I can make it work out uh, to uh, be at the conference, then maybe I'll meet someone in person there then. Oh, that'll be fantastic. And I am all about constantly learning. And speaking of that, I've learned a lot from you today, Michael. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat and share some of your experience, your wisdom, especially around this topic of digital transformations, everything else we talked about. So thanks again for coming on the Talent Development Hot Seat. It's my pleasure. Great to talk to you. All right. Take care. All right. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there.
If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible. And we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.